0: Welcome to PermaWeb Pioneers. We feature individuals, companies, projects, and more building on the PermaWeb, a global, decentralized, and community-owned web built on top of our weave. The hosts of this podcast and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions of the hosts and the guests are their own. Nothing discussed on this podcast can be relied upon for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. This podcast is solely for entertainment and informational purposes. In this episode of PermWeb Pioneers, I'm speaking with co-founder and CEO of LiveArt, Boris Pevsner. Boris, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you very much for having
0: me. All right, so I'd like to start off with getting into your manifesto, Um, and I think it can be succinctly put as, you know, bringing the art world to Web3. Can you elaborate a little bit more on the manifesto that you have shared on your website and and how you see what you're doing at LiveArt and LiveArtX impacting the art world? Certainly.
1: Um, Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, We are the platform that connects the art world with Web3, and that's essentially our mission. And if you look at our team, uh, the team that uh, we have on board, the team, the founders, as well as um, as well as uh, really the rest of us are uh, a unique blend of art people, crypto people, and uh, and entrepreneurs, many of us successful entrepreneurs with multiple exits. So we bridge the physical and digital art world and, uh, worlds and everything that we do in the creators uh, whom we uh, showcase and work with, in the collectors uh, who we bring these creations to, and uh, in the makeup of our own teams. It's really both about you know art live art is both art and technology so um that's uh, that that's really kind of the first level um the second level is that um if you look at the adoption of uh, crypto and web 3 technologies in the art world it's really just in the very very beginning like 99% of the art world is not yet on web 3 um, you know, very few artists, collectors, gallerists are currently crypto conversant, even you know just barely so. So most are even most are not even crypto aware. And so uh, that's why we view our mission uh, to be this bridge that brings traditional art market into web three uh, and the crypto universe and also the reverse, which is that about one percent of crypto natives are currently buying physical art, and our mission is to get the other ninety percent of crypto natives to do the same. So that's kind of what we think ourselves as being. We are art people, crypto people, tech people, and we are bridging the two world in both two worlds in both directions.
0: Well thank you so much for sharing more details on really the mission if you will, of live art at a macro perspective and a micro perspective. There's so many bridges that that need to be built in the art world. And it sounds like you're building out quite a few of them. I'm interested in learning a little bit more about yourself as an individual and how you've come to this position as a co-founder and CEO of this entity called Live Art and all of the exploration and, and really innovation I think that you all are doing. Um, including, of course, you know, storing the artwork on on weave, which is an important topic we can get into later on. What's your background? How did you get to this moment in time? And and maybe just if we can parameterize it, I guess your background in art specifically. Sure.
1: Well, uh, my background actually is in physics. I'm a physicist, and I I guess I'll always think of myself as physicist. You know, there is this misconception in uh, in the general. Um, uh, in the general public, that the creative people are, you know, the poets and the artists and so on, but the creative people are also engineers and also physicists and also computer scientists, you know, people who solve problems. I think that it's not going to be a surprise surprise to anybody in, in the community of your listeners, but I think in the general public at large, somehow it's the poets and the artists who get all the creative, you know, points. So uh, I, I am a physicist by training, and what physicists do is discover things, right, to figure out how things work at the very basic level. Then uh, uh, I went to MIT, became an engineer, so kind of moved a little bit uh, further toward the applied side of things, uh, electrical engineering, computer science. Um, and then uh, uh, shortly thereafter, kind of like, as a matter of fact, while I still uh, was still at MIT, we won one of those uh, uh, you know, business plan competitions that are now quite popular back then. They were somewhat unique to MIT and a couple of other uh, big institutions. So um, having won it, uh, I started basically began starting companies. And this is this is my fifth. Uh, Looking back, uh, all of my ventures have been one way or another two sided marketplaces in completely different industries. So it was a two sided marketplace in uh, uh, what would be known as cloud computing. Uh, back then it was called something else. Uh, there was a two-sided marketplace in freight transportation. There was a two-sided marketplace in gaming. Uh, and you know some of those companies were more successful than others. Some had uh, quite substantial exits, some didn't. Um, and then there was another company called uh, Collectrium that I'd started um, back about 10 years ago. Uh, with a vision to become a two-sided marketplace for art, because, you know, the, the problem uh, in uh, the traditional art world, there are many problems, and many of them, by the way, are solved by blockchain. I'm sure we'll get into that later in the conversation. But uh, some of the problems have to do with kind of like how people, you know, interact and transact uh, in the traditional art world. It's very, you know, backwards and, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of friction to that process. And so, Uh, We set out to change that. But before we did that, we thought, all right, we'll uh, uh, create a community of collectors, of traditional art collectors, uh, who would like to use technology to store, manage, get advice about their art collections. So that company grew, grew and grew, eventually became uh, quite substantial and got acquired by Christie's, which at the time was the world's largest um, uh, art business, probably still is. Uh, it's one of the two large auction houses, essentially it's a duopoly. There is Sotheby's and there is Christie's and together they count for some like the quarter to a third of the total art market out there. So, uh, and that's, you know, that's essentially my entree into the art world. First as a founder of Collectrium and, that, and then in the belly of the beast, so to say, having been acquired by the largest company in the art world and kind of teaching them a few digital tricks and them, of course, teaching me a lot about the art world. And so after a couple of years of that, uh, I went off to start the next company in a completely different space and then uh, uh, decided to come back and, uh, you know, begin, uh, come back to the art world. And so when I did, it's about a year ago. Now, with uh, my co-founders, also art industry, art market veterans from Christie's and Saudis, uh you know when I came came back to it, when we came back to it, it was like we could barely recognize the art world, right because that's when uh that's precisely when about a year ago, uh, when the art world was undergoing really nothing short of a revolution. So if you think about it in financial terms, uh you know the art world is about some like 70 billion dollar business and if you look at the nft volume like just go on open C and look at their volume uh, of nft sales it's about on the run rate of about 60 70 80 billion dollars depending on how you count so really you could think of it this way the art market with the advent of nfts has doubled so it was pretty much at the same level for you know 20 years prior to that, and then suddenly it went up by a factor of two and uh, continues to grow. So we found ourselves in the middle of this revolution and we thought, well, all of those ideas about uh, bringing digital uh, technology to the art world that we've had for many years are now becoming reality and we are right in the center of it. So it was super exciting. And that's pretty much how I got to this point.
0: Yeah, so obviously a lot of experience on the entrepreneurial side in a number of industries and as you mentioned two-sided marketplaces and live art is is definitely that and and arguably arguably beyond um considering all the tools that you're creating for collectors, community artists, um galleries and developers. Um your your emphasis on art in particular, I'm interested in kind of diving into in more detail why why do this like fundamentally what does art mean to you and, and why do you put so much of your energy and, and life in into serving and enabling artists both digital and physical uh, artists uh, to grow their business and to enable themselves to, to do their thing what is what does art do for you as an individual.
1: Well, uh, that's, uh, you know, half personal question, half professional question, uh, and that, I guess, the third half, if you could say that, is the intellectual, intellectual question. So, personally, uh, it's, it's been my passion, personally, basically my entire life. Uh, you know, I, uh, I grew up around artists, around museums, and uh, around art in general. Um, and uh, it's just been with me as a source of inspiration and creativity uh, throughout my entire life. Um, at the, uh, societal level, uh, I think that, uh, artists, um, you know, it's not just that they contribute to society. They in many ways drive the conversation. So, uh, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it happens explicitly, sometimes it happens, uh, indirectly, but, uh. But, you know, a lot, a big part of the modern conversation that uh, that that we observe in society today uh, somehow is connected to art, right? It's either driven by it or uh, it is uh, uh, tangentially related to it. Um, and then there is the intellectual challenge. I think the intellectual challenge, but well, to me, the intellectual challenge of uh, taking, you know, uh, centuries, if not millennia old industry... And uh, uh, bringing it into the digital realm is, you know, there aren't many industries left to digitize. Pretty much everything has been digitized. Everything has, uh, in some ways, uh, has in some ways benefited from the digital revolution that, you know, has been ongoing for the last 30, 40 years. Uh, Art is pretty much has been, until very recently, the last holdout. And uh, having an opportunity to bring this like last undigitized industry into the digital world is just an enormous uh, luck. It's like you're just lucky to live during the time when it's possible, uh, especially with such gusto that this Web3 technology uh, allows, right? Because it's not just like digitizing it in an old way, Web1, Web2 way, it's digitizing it in a completely new way, that is just sweeping the world as we know it right and art is no exception Uh, it is also interesting um, uh, and ironic uh, that uh, art happens to be on the forefront of technology adoption in this cycle which is a very unusual position for art to be right usually art is a laggard it's like it's the last one to adopt technology but in this case it's among the first ones because there are so many uh, challenges that uh, Web3 and blockchain and cryptographic secured um, uh, uh, tech really solves for stuff that you know the art world has been trying to solve, solve for centuries, and suddenly uh, with blockchain technologies, NFT uh, um, uh, in particular, uh, it's become possible.
0: Inspiring indeed. And it is an amazing time to be alive to experience what has gone on just in the last few years in the art world and effectively doubling the art market, as you've already described, and to enable all of these artists that maybe previously their medium wasn't a viable option. Do you see yourself and live art as kind of unlocking or enabling a generation of artists that haven't been able to maybe get by without the utilization and and invention of blockchain technology? How do you look at these these artists that are up and coming and what is live art's role in their development? Um,
1: Yes, uh, for sure. I would say that you know we serve both the up-and-coming or emerging artists, uh, and in fact, you know, there's there's one of those artists that we're very excited about that uh, is that, that we're doing one of our first uh, um, uh, drops uh, on uh, uh, on on the Live Art Tech site right now, so you can actually see that it's called the, the artist is called uh, is is called uh, is named Live Being. And uh, uh, what's interesting about this particular emerging artist is that his work uh, alludes to, you know, it has a lot of art historical references. It's like you look at his art and you see Basquiat, you see Picasso, you see Miro, you see Kandinsky, which is very traditional artists. But at the same time, he's playing with this digital painting, right? And that's why we like him. He's digitally native uh, and yet bridges into the traditional traditional art world, and so that's why our curatorial team selected uh, this particular artist for our first drop. So, you know, first of great many artists that we are going to highlight. Um, So that's just an example. Uh, Well, not just an example. It's like actually an amazing example of uh, what we're doing, Uh, and there will be many more like it. So, uh, But back to your question. Uh, You're absolutely right. So many of uh, artists like this, emerging artists, uh, would not be able to connect to collectors without Web3, right? Because the way that the artists uh, become commercially successful or could become commercially successful uh, under the old regime, so to say, before Web3, is to grow through the gallery system, right? From emerging art galleries to mid-career galleries to... Uh, uh, eventually uh, kind of upmarket galleries uh, and then uh, have auction sales and establish a price level and so on and so forth and so forth. And that's how they become commercially successful. Obviously, only very few people can succeed this way because, you know, the funnel is just, it's too narrow. It's not, it doesn't have enough throughput. Um, and and yet the talent out there is, is is massive, right? There's way more talent than the throughput of this. Uh, of this uh, funnel that existed commercially up until Web3 showed up. Now, with with, with Web3, essentially it expanded the funnel. The funnel has become, uh, you know, nothing is infinite because it's at the end of the day, um, limited by the consumer side, right, limited by the collector base, Um, uh, but, uh, but it's much, much larger because now artists, if they're talented, can connect directly to uh to the to the collectors uh and that i think this last point about uh, essentially the bottleneck being uh the 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 collectors expanding the collector base is just as important right because people collect uh have collected art and it's been kind of an elite uh uh, you know pastime and now that too is getting democratized so it's not just art production that is getting uh, democratized and talented people have uh, a much easier path to market but uh, but but on the consumer side so to say on the collector side that too is getting democratized so you are able to enjoy art participate in the art ecosystem uh, both commercially and aesthetically uh, much much easier so thank thanks thanks to the web 3 technologies.
0: Yeah, I want to get into the art token in just a moment prior to getting into those details and the token utility of what that is and how it can democratize collectors and and so on. Um before we before we get into that topic, I'm I'm really interested in kind of leaning into this notion or this opportunity of the digital artist out there that just haven't had the accessibility to get into Sotheby's or Christie's or anything even remotely close to that. And this first drop being, you know, love being uh, like love, you know, I love and being a human being um, love being this, this drop is really interesting. And it's nice to hear that this is kind of a, I don't know if it's appropriate to say up and coming artist. It's an artist that is, is is putting their work out there and you're providing a platform to do so. So the question becomes during your time in you know the the Sotheby's and Christie's of the world were individuals in in that in that kind of realm that professional physical art realm if you will were they like are they or were they aware of all of the digital art out there and it just the technology just didn't support being able to offer it up for sale or, or is it now that that entire populace, that entire industry is now just finding digital art for the first time? Like, have there been fans of digital art that just have wanted to be able to provide this to a larger audience? What has the dynamic been um, in your experience?
1: Yes, there have been many uh, fans of digital art for a long time. However, digital art uh, had not been a, a viable artistic medium until now. Let me explain why, and just a little, little bit of uh, art history, you know, detour. Uh, so. You know, t- technology, just generally speaking, drives how art is being made. I mean, technology drives everything, but but uh, you know, art world is no exception. So it's like if you think you know, impressionists without you know, those portable paint tubes, how would they paint outdoor outdoors? They wouldn't be able to. So in the invention invention of portable paint tubes was critical to basically an art style or an art movement which we call Impressionists, among other things obviously there were many historical and artistic and other and societal sensibilities that contributed to it but it really was made possible by technology uh andy warhol right with his uh, silk screen paintings would he be quite so successful without that technology probably not probably would still make it but uh but wouldn't be uh the blockbuster that uh that he and his art are uh what about you know Photography, right? So photography was invented uh, probably about 130, 150 years ago, and it took it a while to become uh, an artistic medium. Why? Because it wasn't considered to be a legitimate artistic medium for a long time, because, you know, it's sort of like there's not much skill in snapping a picture, people thought at first and uh, also once you have a negative you can print as many copies as you want and they're all the same so how can it be art if it's not unique and not rare right and so the same logic was applied to digital art digital art has existed for a long time people admired it but uh, because you know all digital copies are literally identical people uh, you know it, it it never had its breakthrough moment it was nice to look at but it was not it could not be commercially successful because it could be infinitely replicated and so all of that changed with uh in blockchain right with blockchain technology the cryptographically secure digital media which you know we call NFTs and their various permutations so that essentially is what legitimized uh, digital uh, as a proper arts Medium, right? Because now suddenly digital could be unique, it could be rare, and it could be, well, non fungible. And so that gave it this impulse. So even though there are plenty of uh, digital art uh, admirers that uh, existed before NFTs, it's only after you had the technical means for digital to become unique, rare, uh, well, and secure and permanent. And I'm sure we can talk about that more later, but unique and rare in particular. It's only at that moment that uh, that digital art became a legitimate artistic medium. And so now it's just a matter of time, just like any other media before it, prints, photography, you know, but, and so on, uh, took a while to uh, get adopted by artists and then by collectors as a result of artists producing in those media. The same is now happening in the, art, in the, uh, in the digital art world. But again, like I stated in the beginning, this is very, very really in the very, very beginning of that transition. Most of the artists uh, are not yet producing in, uh, in, in this medium. Most of the collectors are not yet collecting this medium, but it's changing really, really fast
0: and the the topic of it's early um also requires kind of a lot of definitions and standards and basically creating some sort of parameters to be able to define you know is this is this the authentic piece and you know i guess there's this provenance and everything with the blockchain however there's a lot of details out there there's you know the whole right click save type of thing there's all these there's all these nuances and on on liveart.xyz where your current drop of uh the current drop of love bean is which i find the art to be to be really really kind of fun to experience um there's three words that i think distinguish what you, you, and and Live Art team are, are after, and that is authentic, verified, and curated. in In your perspective, with your perspective in mind, what what do you mean by authentic? Like, what what does that represent in the digital world?
1: Um, great question, and because you know authenticity, provenance are. Uh you know, in many ways, the number one challenge uh, of the art world. As a matter of fact, let me me take another detour, and I'll come back to this. It's a a very interesting question to explore. So uh, if you just think about the challenges that I mentioned earlier, that the art market had and could not solve for hundreds of years, you know, and then blockchain suddenly, you know, became uh, those solutions possible. So, what what are the those challenges? Really, the number one challenge is provenance and authenticity, right? Because with a work of art, especially you know, if it's created you know centuries ago, how do you know that it's the same one? How do you know that it's not a forgery? How do you know that it hasn't been somehow temp- tampered with? You know, how do you know, in other words, that it's authentic? How do you know its provenance? Who has owned it? Who, uh, you know, which museums it's gone through, which private collections it's gone through, etc. Right? So there are you know countless people art historians uh uh academics and uh uh people in the art industry who just work out this provenance this authenticity all those the and the issues related to that because the value of the piece of art uh you know varies greatly depending on its authenticity and provenance right two things that look identical one could be worthless and the others the other could be worth tens of millions of dollars right if it's one is authentic, and the other one is not one has stronger provenance and has been owned by somebody of not and the other one that did not so it's super important uh, and so uh, blockchain with its uh, what essentially is a digital certificate of authenticity uh, solve this problem naturally right because at the point of creation if you can register it on the blockchain if you do it right right it's like in the in the medium that is uh in a way that is that is permanent and uh, unforgeable and authentic then uh, the problem of provenance and then as you know as the work gets sold and resold, you can see all of that on the blockchain so there is no problem of provenance and authenticity anymore and it's it's really amazing uh for digital works the problem has been basically solved for non-digital works there are still some kinks to work out of how you connect the the blockchain based registration to the physical object but you know there are lots of solutions that uh, that are coming down the pike so that's one the second uh, problem is uh, that the art market has been trying to solve for a long time is rights management so what does it mean to own a piece of art so can i like you know sell it can i exhibit it can i copy it can i make a derivative work out of it can i like f- photograph it and then publish that photograph uh, on the cover of a magazine who knows and it's uh, usually undefined there are some laws different laws in different countries that define in different ways by default or you have to have a contract that defines it—a paper contract legal contract that defines what you can and cannot do which sometimes happens sometimes doesn't basically it's a mess so with blockchain you can put all of those rules on chain which we do so our smart contract actually has on-chain rights management that uh, uh, defines what you can do with uh, with with uh, with a digital piece of art: sell, exhibit, copy, you know, create derivative works, or what? You know, basically the artist defines it, and then uh, those rights travel with the contract, and so everybody knows what they can and cannot do with a piece of art. So uh, the third thing that artists have wanted forever, for as long as art existed, uh, is resale royalties, right? Because right now. Well, up until now, uh, if an artist produces uh, an artwork, uh, well, they get paid for selling it. But then, if it gets resold, they don't. There are some small exceptions uh, from that in Europe. By law, there is a little bit of resale royalty also in California. But by and large, artists pay, get paid nothing. And so, and usually, especially for emerging artists, you know. Uh, the, the, the artwork may not be selling for much when they sell it for the first time, but then it rapidly gains in value. And lots of people benefit from that as the artwork gets resold. but not the artist. The artist get, not, gets nothing. And so in the blockchain, the smart contract, of course, resale royalties are possible. And that's uh, part of uh, our smart contract as well. These unbreakable resale royalties that work in every uh, on every marketplace wherever uh, the artwork may be sold. Uh, and sold uh, because the royalty distributions are baked into the smart contract itself. So that's three. And then there are more esoteric things, like people always want to, you know, people talk about art as an asset class. So therefore, wouldn't it be nice to have fractional ownership of, of, of a piece of art so that, you know, if it's expensive, many people can benefit from owning it. Um, so stuff like that and many other permutations of uh, these issues have been in the art world for many, many years and could not be solved before. It's not possible, wasn't possible to implement uh, provenance and authenticity and rights management and resale royalties properly, uh, right? People tried kind of like by f- fiat, but uh, uh, but it's not automatically enforced. Uh, and now with blockchain, all of that is. And so that's pretty awesome, right? That's, that's how blockchain technologies really are, revolutionizing the art world
0: yeah it is a big deal and and obviously the blockchain technology and the provenance and the authenticity, if you will, can be very much so displayed uh, in in the ledger in the public ledger and, and database that anyone can access um, on the topic of quality nfts and I'm not talking about the art I'm talking about where they're stored. Of course, this this podcast is focused on the PermaWeb and and Arweave in particular, and the pay once, store permanently model that you know the protocol is designed for. Um, on your end and on Live Art's behalf, what was the process in determining what tech stack is required to deliver a quality experience, and how did you come across Arweave?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, you know, I would say this: uh, we are art, we are art world people. This is who we are fundamentally. So we have crypto tech backgrounds and so on, but really, by DNA, all of us are art people. And uh, our art world people, uh, you know, they think about uh, permanence uh, and preservation. Uh, intrinsically, this is just sort of like what you do, right? Because uh, we think in terms of centuries, not years, as I kind of mentioned in the beginning, because the work of art is, well, hopefully forever, right? So it's like once it's created. Of course, nowadays, there are all sorts of interesting exceptions about like burning digital works and converting them to ash and all that stuff. But that aside, right, basically an artwork is, uh, is, permanence and preservation is super important uh I would uh uh, I I would make I would make actually this uh this analogy um just this weekend uh, I went with my kids to El Prado it's a museum here in Madrid where we we live um and uh, there's a new exhibition there a, a collection of glass and quartz objects very intricate very fragile from the collection of some king Philip V, I think, from 17th century. So there are intricate plates, ornamental vessels of different shapes and sizes, really extraordinarily fragile objects, real world objects, the real world museum from centuries ago. And there is a special area in that exhibition uh, where they display the storage boxes that these objects came in. So each box really is a, is a work of art of its own, right? It's like, and each box is in the shape of the object that it contains. you know, imagine like a decanter with an intricate handle, right? And a storage box in the same intricate shape padded with red velvet inside and uh, you know, to keep the object safe and secure. So, so they actually were just, <laughs> they were uh, exhibiting not just the objects themselves, but the boxes that store them. That's how important storage is in the art world.
0: Wow, 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 that's such a cool experience, yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's that's how we think about art objects, right? They need to be preserved and protected. Uh, We think about permanence, we think about authenticity, uh, we think about kind of preservation, archival issues and methods, making sure that uh, the artworks are secured for a long time, for centuries. So, you know, NFTs are no exceptions, it's just another artistic medium, as far as we are concerned. And uh the same concepts of authenticity, preservation, archival, etc need to be extended to it. It's sort of natural to us. we don't have to think very hard about it. So uh, if you think on this time scale, uh, uh, centralized storage is not an option because you know anything can happen to centralized storage. somebody has a key, somebody has an account, somebody's paying for it, and they stop paying for it, it disappears. so you know you just can't do it. Uh, so it has to be a decentralized solution that is uh, that is intrinsic, that is off this medium, Web3 medium. That's what's needed, right? And that's how we came up first uh, to IPFS, which is decentralized, which is nice, but has no permanence, which is not a no good fit for us. And then that led us to Arweave, which introduces this permanence uh, uh, property that is a requirement for the kind of thing that we do. And not just permanence, but also it also helps with authenticity right eliminating the possibility of tampering with an artwork after its creation which is really what authenticity is um uh, and you know that that's why it's like are we for us it's, it's not an add-on it's core to our mission of bringing traditional art into the digital world
0: very well said and, and i appreciate the the story of the prado and the experience you had there in madrid of actually seeing the vessels and the storage devices to allow these really fragile pieces to live on for centuries it's just it's a nice frame of reference when one is thinking about these digital pieces and what they're stored in um so i appreciate you bringing that up as a nice example a- exemplification of how important you know what these things live in it really is, and that they need to be crafted they meaning these vessels, for example, the physical objects, and also the block weave and our weave in a way that is you know both modular and focused on preservation um so it's 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 really great to hear your perspective on building that bridge from a philosophical standpoint and bringing that into the digital space where it is difficult to think in centuries because so many links just disappear. So many things just are gone because someone forgot to pay their host or whatever. And uh, and even though many of us have thought that some things will stick around just because we're used to physical objects kind of sticking around, that's not the case in digital. So definitely appreciate your your perspective and, and what live art, art is doing um, from a data integrity standpoint and the longevity element, which I feel like is one of the components of this Weave ecosystem that personally I find to be so inspiring is long-term thinking. And with art, that long-term thinking is just crucial uh, from my own opinion, my own personal standpoint for civilization and so individuals into the future can learn from all these amazing artists that are sharing themselves and their artwork today on on this thing we call the internet as far as the democracy the the kind of enabling individuals to participate in these experiences um you know historically some of these platforms whether it's sotheby's or christie's or whatever. Have been very difficult to participate in as a buyer, participate in as an artist. And we've talked a little bit about unlocking and enabling digital artists to get in the mix, so to speak. I'm interested in in getting into the art token for Live Art, Live Art X, and what that is looking to do. As far as enabling collectors and curators, can you speak a little bit to the intention behind the ART token and what you'd like to see and what's already happening?
1: Yes, Uh, well, it's really the very beginning of the journey of the ART token. Uh, We would like it to, um, to be the glue in uh, uh in the uh, art world both digital and physical and we're very adamant about using it uh not only in uh, the digital and nft part of our business but also in the physical art trading part of our business and i may not have mentioned that in the beginning but uh art uh, live art uh, has a uh, uh, has both digital and physical components, and so the physical one is is very much <laughs> interesting enough analogous to how uh, the digital one is naturally structured. It's a peer to peer marketplace uh, where collectors and uh, uh, artists, or collectors and other collectors, can uh, connect and. Uh, uh, exchange artworks we just sell it to each other artworks and then in the future also other services like uh, fractional ownership and so on so uh, uh so when we talk about the art token uh we we would like to make sure that it is used not just in the digital the nft component of our business but also in the um uh, in the physical uh, moreover uh, our our business uh, is really a lot of the products that we have within our ecosystem are, are are powering the you know a larger ecosystem of of partners. So galleries, museums. So we're about to have our first uh, you know, museum um, uh, enablement, so to say, and then many galleries already using us. So what does that mean? It means the following: uh, we think that you know someday maybe. Uh, there will be a world where all collectors will be connected to all artists directly. That, that, that may come, but for now we are living in a world that is, is not the structured differently, right? Uh, there are, there are galleries. They are well, part of the, part of the, Function that they serve is this gatekeeping that I talked about before. The other part, uh, the other function that they serve is promoting, right? So uh, the artists that they happen to represent are being uh, very well served, right? They're being promoted to collectors uh, who like the gallery and the artists that it represents, and therefore have a propensity to buy from that gallery uh, because it knows that you know their tastes align. So uh, instead of you know, destroying like, like good revolutionaries would the system. Why not help it to uh, enter this Web3 universe? And so we're doing that through what we call the white labeled program. We offer our marketplace to um, uh, galleries, to museums, to other art world ecosystem players uh, under their own brand so that they can serve their creators and their collectors Easier, right? And, and and enable their creators to immediately start creating in this digital, uh, in the new digital medium. So basically creating digital art, either derivative of their physical work or co-sold with their physical work, you know, this ugly word digital that uh, I think is being banded about now, or just create, you know, purely digital works. And the way that it's, the reason that it's interesting is that. When they do that, when the artists do that in the context of the gallery that represents them, they have an immediate built in audience, right? That's the audience of the collectors who already collect those artists in other media, know those artists, love those artists. And now, you know, when those artists start creating in this new medium, they start collecting that too. Because collectors, generally speaking, collect artists. They don't collect media, right? They don't collect paintings, they don't collect NFTs. They collect artists they follow artists the largest that they like regardless of the media that they work in uh, you know if, if 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 you love that artist you will collect collect her so uh, uh so so through this program right we're expanding uh our, the footprint of our technology of our marketplace uh, across the entire uh, art ecosystem to galleries museums and so on Uh, And then bringing it back to the ART token, we would like to make sure that the ART token, to the extent that it kind of participates in the economic transactions as well as non-economic governance and other other, uh, attributes of this ecosystem, powers it all. So that is to say our uh, digital business, our uh, physical art business, and uh, this uh, partner ecosystem of galleries, museums, and others who are also participating, uh, you know, basically on the same platform, but under their own uh, white labeled, uh, so to say logos or presentations. So that's the high level concept. Now, what does it actually do, right? Well, uh, that is a bit of a moving target, uh, but basically there are three, initially there are three things that it does. Uh, It's about access, it's about exclusive art experiences, and it's about the community. So uh, access is a uh, pre-sale of works by iconic artists, uh, white lists for, uh, for the NFT drops, uh, you know, insider list for exclusive private sales, kind of like, you know, art world is, is, has always been about access. So especially when we talk to the traditional art collectors, to them, it's a very well understood concept and the art token kind of gives them that ability. The way that we implement it is through memberships. So we have six levels of memberships. Each membership wraps a certain amount of uh, art token. The higher the level, the the more art token you get within that membership. And then that membership entitles you to uh, a menu of services, including access, experiences, and community. So that's that's the implementation. So uh, going back to uh, what the art token does, access is one. The second is these exclusive art experiences, tours of art fairs, many of whom are our partners already. Um, So it's kind of natural for them to serve the community that uh, they're already benefiting uh, from. Uh, NFT events, studio visits, uh, consultations with uh, art advisors. Uh, Data, right? So we have a pretty unique database of uh, art prices. And so to the extent that people would like to make not just aesthetic, but also financial decisions about buying uh, and selling art, both digital and physical. Uh, we have uh, you know kind of like a FinTech uh, uh, looking site to our products offerings that uh, is also offered to our members. And then uh, the third one and perhaps most important is the community. So we believe that uh, user-owned platforms really as a principle uh, is a principle of Web3 or user, at the very least, user-heavily-influenced platforms. And that's why LiveArt uh, will be governed by a DAO, and the DAO uh, is uh, tied to the ARCH token owners. So members will decide the direction of the platform, things like submitting and voting on proposals about smart contract upgrades, new features to be developed by the LiveArt team or, or community contributors, Uh, avoiding on the use of charitable and strategic funds to support emerging artists, uh, uh, and so on. So those are the three things initially, access, art experiences, and uh, community and governance.
0: And the ART token, if I understand this correctly, has been released by way of NFTs. And there were like six different levels at which... Individuals that minted at the Genesis Mint received a random level, which is represented in their NFT. And then the amount of ART tokens that they are, they have access to after a one-year lock depends on what level they received for the NFT. Is that correct? That is
1: exactly right. Yes. So every, every NFT membership and there are six levels of those content contains a certain amount of of art token inside. Different levels contain different amounts. The higher the level, the higher the amount.
0: Okay. And so this topic of how you've you and the team have released the art token, I think is really interesting from an incentive design perspective. And I think, you know, a lot of listeners are builders, they're creating Uh, decentralized applications on on, on Arweave and just tons of things, NFTs and NFT platforms and and all these types of things. And one of the biggest challenges is kickstarting, kicking off a community. Um, How have you and team experienced the ART token by way of NFT distribution? Like how has that gone thus far? Uh,
1: It's been uh, amazing to watch. So the community really, uh, it really resonated with the community. I think that, uh, you know, our, uh, I think we had about uh, three quarter of a million, 750,000 or so entries into um, this initial genesis mint of the NFT um, uh, memberships. So we were in awe of the interest that we received from the community. Um, and uh, just from looking at our Discord uh, server and uh, Twitter, it seems that what really resonated with uh, with the community is the fact that, uh, you know, it's a project that uh, brings the art world to Web3, right? It's a project that bridges the two worlds. And that's something that has not been done with any level of credibility in the past. And the credibility comes from the team, right? The team that, is uh of the art world and is also of the crypto world and so i think the feeling in the community was that all right well this team can probably pull it off so uh so let's participate uh in it so we've been extremely pleased with the reception
0: and for the listeners uh these nfts that hold the art tokens um there's a lock of one year as i understand it and so if someone is interested in purchasing a level one through six nft they can go on openc for example and purchase those and those tokens are still embedded in that nft is that correct
1: no that's that's correct yes you go to on OpenSea. i think it's you have to search for LiveR-Tech's official memberships because you know as usual with web3 you've got to be got to be Uh, wary of imitators gotta go to the official one and uh yes they're still available there
0: okay and just to clarify some of the levels maybe not all of the levels i'm not totally clear which is why i want to ask this question is like okay so owning the token makes you part owner of the platform that is that is live rx right and does that mean that everyone that owns one of these NFTs, regardless of level, whether it's one or six, has ownership in the platform by way of the tokens that are associated with that NFT?
1: Yes, just a different pro rata, or different proportions of ownership, depending on uh, their holdings of the art token. In other words, depending on which membership it is, you own a different number of art tokens and therefore different different percentage if you will of uh, of the company
0: okay and then uh one last question on this art token side of things um is there a token available outside of the nfts or what does that look like down the line how does one orient the market of these art tokens considering right now they're packed packaged in an nft
1: yeah, uh, I think the question is, if if I were to, you know, unwrap it, so to say, uh, is uh, uh, will the ART token be traded, right, and, on any crypto exchanges, for instance, centralized, decentralized, et cetera? Um, uh, well, uh, I think that uh, I would answer it this way, right? So basically, we're interested uh, in fostering the adoption of our services. So uh, uh, so, so eventually, the trading is almost certainly going to happen, but uh, uh, you know we can't we can't make any promises well. Eventually, the tokens are going to be unwrapped, right because after uh, after they uh, get unlocked after a year uh they can be undropped so there is a mechanism for that and once they're undropped you've got the tokens just trc 20 tokens which is what the art token is uh, and they will inevitably be listed so they will be making uh, some announcements in that direction in the coming months uh and uh, you know the members are going to be the first to know
0: Got it. Thank you. And we'll wrap up with that. Boris, thank you so much for sharing more about your journey as an individual and your entrepreneurial background and your your love of art and bridging the physical and the digital into an amazing experience. And that first drop being love being. So our listeners, be sure to check out liveart.xyz to see that drop that's currently happening. And of course, explore more uh via live art and uh, just appreciate you being here and of course appreciate you and team selecting our weave as the storage layer um for your you know decentralized storage layer for that pay one store permanent um you know protocol and mission that Rweave serves. so uh yeah thank you so much for the work that you're doing for art and for future generations
1: thank you thank you very much for the opportunity
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of PermaWeb Pioneers, a podcast focused on growing awareness of Arweave and the PermaWeb. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Otherwise, share this episode with friends and family and whoever else you think may find it useful and interesting. Thank you for being a part of our community of pioneering long-term thinkers securing the present and future of data.